Hi, you're listening to The Cardigan, a special series from Selfie, focusing on the intersection of psychology and self-care. I'm Kristen, a licensed therapist, a skilled catastrophizer, and mom of four. And I'm Matthias, a licensed therapist, side-eye aficionado, and a dog dad. We're going to be taking your mental health questions, chatting about our own journeys, and looking at psychology in the media. We hope you learned something about yourself, the people you love, and the world of mental health and maybe laugh a little along the way. So go grab some tea and your favorite cardigan and we'll meet you on the couch. Hey guys, welcome to Selfie. Well, today we're going to be answering a listener question about how to support support a spouse with depression. We're going to be looking at psychology and pop culture and specifically talking about why are there so many shows about people with personality disorders or psychotic tendencies um, sociopathic tendencies. It it just definitely feels like that's what's on the menu right now. Um, But first, Matthias and I are going to do a quick self-care check-in. Hey, Matthias. Hey, Kristen. How are you? I'm doing all right. Yeah? (laughs) Yeah. I I think I told you a few episodes again, I was trying to start dating again. And I have been doing that. Yes. And like... (laughs) I, th- I think this goes along with so much of what we've been talking about, especially last week with limerence. Um, <clears throat> I get so anxious when I date. Like, I I don't consider myself to be an overly anxious person in the other aspects of my life. But when it comes to dating, my anxiety skyrockets. Mm. And, and so I've been having to work with that. In this, and this is why I don't date very often because it it almost feels debilitating. Like it is so hard. <laughs> so oh, I, I've man. been in the midst. I've been in the midst of that. Yeah. Um, and what does that look like for you? Like, is it um, does the anxiety spike as you're about to go on the date, or is it just like the whole thing? Interestingly, it, it's not when I'm anticipating a date or on a date with someone. It, mm-hmm. it is the in-between. And I, mm. I think it really comes down to, like, I have known this for a very long time, but I am very anxiously attached. If, if people know, like, a, a, a attachment theory language, mm-hmm. they're different attachment styles. Mine is anxious attachment. And mm-hmm. so, like, I have been working on that in therapy for <laughs> for years and... You know, it's it's one thing to work on it in therapy. It's another thing to experience it. Totally. And then work with it in the moment. And so I'm getting the opportunity to do that. <laughs> well, isn't that wonderful when life provides us opportunity to deal with our anxieties? I love that. It's my favorite. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And with that, like, I will say, I'm noticing I've made progress. Like Good. I am, like like that is really encouraging to to be able to see like where I am now versus where I was at you know three four years ago yeah and see like oh like the anxiety is still here and I am dealing with it in very different ways yeah um, and and that's been encouraging. Um, Good, yeah. I'm glad. Yeah. yeah. What what about you? Um. <laughs> Well, my nephew and his boyfriend are in town. Yeah. They're in town. They're staying with us for two weeks. Oh, my. So my nephew's boyfriend is in the national tour of Tootsie, Mm. which is fun. Um, And so they have a stopover here. 
Um, so he's doing the show and they're staying with, and then my nephew lives in New York. He came out so that we're all, you know, visiting together. It's super fun. I'm so glad they're here. And yet I just find having house guests very stressful. Yeah. They're doing nothing wrong. It is me. Mm -hmm. But you know, it just, I mean, everyone's a little displaced. Um, I feel a little funny walking around like like I feel like I need to be a little more polished when I walk around. Yeah. Right. If that makes sense, you know, oh, like totally. I'm not just going to roll out with my, you know, crazy bun and no bra and no makeup. Um it, I I guess I just feel like I'm on. Mm-hmm. Does that make sense? It makes so much sense. Yeah. Like it's a very different energy to have new and different people in yes. the home, even if you know them really well. And I do. Like, I mean, well, I don't, you know, this is actually my first time meeting my nephew's boyfriend, which I guess makes it a little harder. But, you know, my nephew I've known since he was a baby, obviously. I mean, like he was my surrogate kid before I had kids. Um, but yeah, it just, it does. I feel like I'm on. And so if, as an introvert, I'm just finding it a little difficult. Yeah. Yeah. And maybe you're still figuring this out, but have you found ways to give yourself that space still to be an introvert or is that some of the difficulty? Well, so here's here's a part of it. So (laughs) my boyfriend and I have our own rooms. Ah. Which is how, which is how this crazy blended family thing works for me. Totally. Is that I have my own space. He has his own space. And... Right now, his room is being taken. Ah. So now we're sharing a room. And so, I mean, it's it's funny that you ask, do I have a way to take space? No, I lost my way. Yeah. (laughs) Like that way was taken from me. So, yeah, it's just a little bit like, it's just a little bit more challenging to figure that out. And I know I I want to say I know it's incredibly privileged that my boyfriend and I have our own rooms, but that is the way that we work. Yeah, totally. <laughs> I mean, that started in the honestly, it started in the pandemic when we were both working from home. Mm-hmm. And it's like, okay, you have to have your own room. I have to have, you know, your own office, so to speak. And then it was just like, oh, this is actually nice that we both have our own space. So yeah, that actually sounds really lovely to me. Yeah. <laughs> I'm all for it. <laughs> I really highly recommend it. Yeah, yeah that although it's great. incredibly privileged to say that. But if you have the space, you don't have to sleep or live in the same room as your partner. Yeah, or share a closet. Like, <laughs> gross. <laughs> uh, mostly kidding. <laughs> But yeah, I mean, it's short-lived. And and the thing is, too, I'm so glad they're here. Mm-hmm. Like, I, you know, I love this. I mean, I I want to them to be around. And, you know, I, I love that they're getting to, like, kind of be a part of our family rhythm. And, you know, the kids are getting to know them better. But it's also just a little challenging. Yeah. 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 Mm. Well, what do you have for two thumbs up? So, speaking of anxious attachment (laughs) there is this new book uh by a woman named jessica baum called anxiously attached the subtitle is becoming more secure in life in love and kristen i I thought this book came out yesterday but it actually comes out next week (laughs) on june 14th okay Um, 
And I used, unashamedly, used the podcast hookups to get an advanced coffee because I was like, I'm anxiously attached. I need this book now. As and, you should. <laughs> and I got it. And it's so good. Like, Ooh. for anyone who experiences a more anxious attachment in... Now, give us just a, like, a one line of what anxious attachment is. Yeah. So, I, I mean, so it would be in contrast to what we would call a secure attachment. So yeah. that is you feel secure. You kind of have a home base in relationships. Mm -hmm. Anxious attachment kind of means that you have a more anxious you, you return to an anxious base. Like, yeah. you hold a lot of anxiety around mm -hmm. dating, relationships, mm -hmm. and, and, and so on. And, and, and that, that can, can look like just um, anxiety, insecurity, jealousy, yes. um, being overly invested, um, those kinds of things. Yes, right, right. Um, there are not that many books out there. I only know of one or two other <laughs> right now that kind of focus in specifically on an anxious preoccupied, which is the technical term. Mm -hmm. uh, and and this book feels like it, it fills in a gap in, in the literature. Totally. That is, it's so helpful. So I would highly recommend it <laughs> for anyone. I love this. Who, I'm also just, I'm, I'm loving when people are taking these, I mean, attachment theory and attachment, like it can be very clinical. Yeah. And I'm loving that you know, younger therapists are taking on these topics and writing really approachable, accessible books. Yeah, me too. Because yeah. she's not just, I mean, of course she talks about the theory, but that's like the, you know, the first 10 paragraphs of the first chapter. And from then on out, it's all about how do you actually work with it? There's yeah. guided meditations that she has in the book, but she also has supplemental material that you can you know, listen to, just get on the website. She'll walk you through the, the meditations, journaling prompts. Like, it's so helpful. I've been recommending it to clients <laughs> already. Yeah. yeah. Okay, I'm thinking just a side note. Should we, um, is there an attachment, I mean, quiz sounds like a really <laughs> casual word, but like, is there an online resource for people to try to figure out their attachment style? There are so many. Yeah. We yeah. should link some up. I think that's a good idea. Because I think it's very, very interesting to learn your attachment style. I'm avoidant attachment. Are you? Yeah. yeah. Which looks like I just, you know, make myself busy and pretend like I have no emotional needs. Yeah. yeah. Which is not at all true. Um, and, and, you know, it's also very common for people who, who have an avoidant attachment style to be paired with people who have an att anxious attachment style, yep. and which then creates this dance of, you know, chase and retreat and chase and retreat. Yes. Um, but I find all of, all of the um, info about attachment style to be incredibly helpful relationally. So yes. let's um, find some quiz and we'll link it up. I think that's a great idea because it, it truly is so helpful and helps explain so much that can feel inexplicable <laughs> when you're going totally. through it. And, and it's one of the most well-researched theories in the whole realm of psychology. There's so much research to back up the reality of attachment styles. And, you know, um, we talked last week about a video um, it was a therapist who was talking about that concept of um, oh, luminance. Is that what it was? Limerence. Limerence. Yeah, limerence. Mm -hmm. She has some really good videos on attachment styles. She does. What's yes. her name again? 
uh, Heidi Preeb. Heidi Preeb. Um, and then there's another woman named Thais Gibson who has hundreds of videos that are like she knocks it out of the park. Mm. <laughs> okay, so let's li- let's try to link some of those up too. Great. Um, we'll put them in the show notes and we'll put them in the group as well. Um, so if you want to learn more about this concept of attachment style, we'll give you some resources. Yeah. I yeah. love it. It's good stuff. Yeah. What about you? Well, mine is um, much less meaningful, but it's a TV show. <laughs> <laughs> we need TV. <laughs> I know. But um, it's funny because I'm about to, we're about to have a conversation about why are there so many shows about crazy people? And this sort of is, but it's Under the Banner of Heaven. Have you seen this one yet? Not yet. It's on my list, but I just haven't. haven't so yet. it's based on a John Krakauer book. And, you know, John Krakauer books tend to be like novel novelizations. Well, not even novelizations, but just like a journalistic exploration of something real. And so yeah. this is based on a true story. And it is based in the story of um, some murders that occurred and then – like just the investigation that happens and, you know, what is revealed. I don't want to give too much away. But what I'll say that I really like about it is it is a show that really explores the difficulty that occurs for people when their faith is tested, mm-hmm. when they have a faith, but there are questions about that faith that they're told they they shouldn't explore. I mean, in a way, have you seen Book of Mormon? Yes. So there's a song in Book of Mormon called Turn It Off. Uh-huh. And, you know, it the the lyrics are turn it off like a light switch. It's a cool little Mormon trick. And it's really just about shutting down your doubts, your questions, you know, your sexual orientation. I mean, the, the song kind of explores all of those things. But this show really is a more serious sex exploration of like what does happen when you turn off that logic part, that questioning part, when you're told you can't have any questions. Um, and, you know, and then it explores just, you know, some of the cult aspects, um, what pulls people in a certain direction. It's a really fascinating and well done show. Mm-hmm. I mean, Andrew Garfield is the star. So, yeah. Amazing. Mm-hmm. Yes. But it's really good. It sounds so good. Like the trailers look amazing. I'm really looking forward to watching it, but, you know, I had to watch Stranger Things. Oh, did you get through it already? It's so good, yes. <laughs> I think it came out two days ago, and my girls watched the entire thing in two days. Yeah, that was me too. I stayed up so late. <laughs> I didn't watch it. I'm not a huge fan, but I heard I did hear that this season was just, like, way more gory. Yeah. That they, like, like it, went full tilt horror. They did. I was very shocked and surprised. Yeah. yeah. Which, and as I just revealed, my 13 and 15-year-old just watched the entire thing, so that feels great. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Tales of Kristen's kids watching things they shouldn't, episode 15. But, um, yeah, so I, I don't know. I'm, I'm, I, I skipped out on that one in season two. I don't love fantasy and I really Fair. don't like gore. So I feel yeah. okay about that choice. Yeah. 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 But did you like it? Oh, I love, like I loved it. And yeah. I, I mean, I've loved every season of it. I expected yeah. this one to not be very good because it's number four and yeah. I didn't have high hopes going into it. And it, like, I was surprised at how good it was. It was really well done. Oh, cool. Um, yeah. 
All right, let's talk about this next listener question. Yeah. So we've gotten this question a couple times. Yes. Um, in a couple different variations, but people have asked, like, what do I do to support a spouse who has depression? Yeah. This is, it's difficult. Yeah. (laughs) I think like that, I think that just needs to be said from the get go. Anytime you have anyone you love in your life with depression, it's, it's really difficult. And and I don't want to say that I mean, because I think when when we are in depression, we know that it's difficult for the people around us. And so I I don't want to say that as like a condemnation, (laughs) but just a reality of depression is really hard to deal with, whether you're experiencing it or someone else. Mm -hmm. Um, For me, and this is going to feel inadequate, like I think one of the biggest things is to actually understand what depression is mm-hmm. and what it isn't because that, that helps you start to get a sense of what your partner is actually going through and then tangible ways that you can support and help in the midst because um, otherwise it can be really easy to not help yeah <laughs> yeah and we'll t- talk about that like you know w- talk about like what people need to really understand about depression, which is different than, you know, maybe pessimism or negativity or having a sad day. Yeah. I I mean, de- depending on what variety of depression the, the, the person has, I, yeah. I, one of the, the biggest things is, is depression makes it so that a person truly is unable to function. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. So whether that is, I mean, the spectrum from being able to get out of bed in the morning to not being able to do the dishes, like, yeah, th- th- that is the reality. And and I mean, you may want a person to do the dishes all day long, mm-hmm. but if a person has depression, like, it is a literal inability to function. Yeah, and there's a a concept, this concept of the insurmountable task for for people who are really dealing with depression, something that seems to someone who's not like, well, just make this phone call or just make this appointment, just get dressed, take a shower. But like normal everyday things feel completely insurmountable. Right. Yes. And and so I think understanding that and, and then working with your own emotions around that can be really mm-hmm. helpful. Like you, You're allowed to be frustrated by that. Yeah. And then how do you work with that frustration and change it into being supportive of that person who, who can't do it? <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And I think, I mean, you know, I think obviously one of the best, we know that one of the best treatments for depression is medication. Yes. And so, you know, step one is what do you need to do to help clear a pathway in case that's something that your partner wants to take part in yeah, and perhaps encourage. Um, And then we know that, you know, people who are experiencing depression get into isolation. Mm -hmm. Um, They get into a loop of, you know, poor self-care, not taking care of themselves, not getting out. And so it's like, Figuring out that balance of not shaming and putting pressure, but facilitating. Yeah. Which is the hard balance. It's it's a really hard balance because 
I mean, that, that even that sense of kind of clearing a pathway, like there is that line between being helpful. Like it, it may be very helpful for your partner to maybe you make those appointments, but there may be <laughs> other times where that feels prohibitive, where it feels like you are shaming them. Mm-hmm. Like, it, it, And so communication is key but it's really hard to communicate in the midst so it's a it's a fine line to walk yeah yeah it it really is i think i i mean i think being available and asking a lot of questions like hey would it be helpful if i made this appointment for you is or even to use that language is there an insurmountable task that i can do for you today as an act of love what you know what could i do that would that would take something off your plate that is overwhelming you yeah Um, but then also checking in with like does this feel controlling if i'm asking to do this yeah you know is this more it just and and then i think you know for partners of anybody with mental illness like really making sure that you're focusing on your own mental health is important too yeah right making sure that you're not falling into codependency making sure that you're you know, your own mental health is not completely wrapped up in how someone else is doing, which is, mm-hmm. again, very difficult to do. It is. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, that's a tricky one. Mm-hmm. Well, let's talk about this question of <laughs> why there's so many shows about people with either personality disorders, like sociopathy. I mean, it's funny because my boyfriend and I, you know, we watch a show every night. That's kind of our wind down routine. And I had noticed that we had gone through this. We'd watched the show about Elizabeth Holmes. Yeah. Then we watched the show about the WeWork guy. Yes. And then we watched some show about like something about Pam. It was this like woman who, (laughs) and like, I think we watched like four or five shows like that in a row. And finally I was like, I cannot watch another show about a horrible person (laughs) doing something horrible but we have so many shows that are focused on this right now whether it's someone who scammed people someone who murdered people there's a show called the words the worst roommate yes yes we've got the tinder swindler we've got you know i mean why are we obsessed with watching horrible people do horrible things i i mean this may be simplistic but i think it's because they're fascinating yeah Right, yes. like it is so interesting to to at least for me, this is my experience to watch someone who who moves through the world so incredibly differently mm-hmm. than I do, mm-hmm. and just see what they get away with, see what they do. Like like, there's something just so fascinating about that to me. Yeah, I think you're right, but I also think. We sort of like feeling outraged at other people. Yes. Oh, yeah. And I think there's something a little bit sexy, interesting about watching shitty people do shitty things and getting mad about it. Mm -hmm. Do you think? Yeah, I do think. I mean, now that you say it, totally. Yeah. Because, yeah, I just I think that there's something like we feel we feel um, self-righteous. We feel like that righteous anger. It's sort of like, you know, there's no common bond. There's no better bond than a common enemy. 
And I think, yeah, we get like a little high from watching someone else and being like, like the Anna Delvey show, you know, yes, right? Like, wow, I can't believe her. Can you can you believe? And that anger and indignant feeling just meets some need for us. Uh huh. I don't know. Well, and, and like, I, I, I wonder, Kristen, and I'm just going to play with this a little bit. It may not be true, but like, I wonder how much uh, these shows are actually serving as a container for us to experience some of those harder emotions, <laughs> the frustration, the oh. anger, how flabbergasted we are at the state of the <gasps> world. And you how, nailed it. You just nailed it. Like just how inexplicable actual people in our world which i mean these are shows about actual people but like politicians etc yes like it allows us a container for us to feel some of those things when it when we can't feel them in other places because it's just too much i think you're spot on i think it is a parallel process mm -hmm. because we we are sitting in all the, i mean we talked about it last week we are sitting in all of this kind of hopelessness, frustration, I can't believe this, whether it's I can't believe our country's bungling the COVID response, I can't believe our country doesn't do anything about kids being shot in schools. And then we get to kind of like, have a proxy, right? Yeah, For that yes. feeling of I can't believe. I think you're so right. It is a parallel process. Hmm. Yeah. I mean, I've been watching a lot of them too. <laughs> what What are some of the ones you've watched? Uh, I mean, the and we, we talked about this, like the Anna Delvey one, the Elizabeth yeah. Holmes one, the the WeWork one, like everyone yeah. you just named. I watched all of those. Too. So funny. Yeah, yeah. Mm. Well, I will suggest a palate cleanser because I did. I I I'm not even kidding. I was like, I will not watch another show with someone with a personality disorder because mm. it just was feeling like I was. And so we, what we ended up watching most recently was, um, I think it's called Autism in Love. Oh, Love on the Spectrum? Love on the Spectrum. Yes. Oh, my gosh. I mean, talk about, like, pure, wholesome content. Yeah. It's the cutest show. They mm. do a wonderful job of not being patronizing yeah. and just showing, you know, these people in a real search for love. Um, and their families, you know, wanting that for them. And it's it's really sweet. Mm. Really that sweet. Love yeah. it. I haven't watched it yet, but again, it's on my list. <laughs> so if you want to move away from crazy people doing crazy things, it's a very sweet show. Mm. It's so good. thanks for listening just a heads up we're therapists but we're not your therapists this podcast is not a substitute for therapy and by making it we're not rendering psychological or other professional services if you need therapy we recommend you track down someone to help join us online for more of the conversation in our selfie community facebook group or on instagram at at selfie podcast 